Hey, Crit Academy, Justin here. Since we won't be having a Crit Academy episode this week due to the holidays, Alex Baum had me on her show to talk about Alex's Bombastic Oddities, a collection of amazing resources for you to tie into your Dungeons & Dragons game. It'll be launching on Kickstarter late February, and it'll be produced by those of us here at Crit Academy. I am super excited. Hopefully you'll enjoy it, and if you do... Make sure to give her a follow, give us a follow, sign up for our newsletters so you can be notified and back this amazing project. Enjoy the show. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. everyone hi we have a lot of information to cover because today is a very special day not just for me but for justin as well so justin would you like to introduce yourself and explain your bonus podcast stuff let's not pretend that i need any sort of introduction (laughs) (laughs) you should have said Uh, that in brick's voice (laughs) um i am really super excited first of all um Criticat, I am the one of the hosts of the Crit Academy Dungeons and Dragons uh, show. Um, we're going to be going on vacation here for a little bit, so we have a, uh, a couple weeks in there. We're not doing nothing. And I was like, you know what would be awesome? To reach out to Alex to talk about uh, an upcoming project we're uh, working on together. And maybe I can use some of that uh, to fill in one of our episodes so the project will target both of our lovely audiences. So... I'm super excited, and I want to say thank you for having me on today, Alex. And for people who, um, you know how I talk about my publisher and my mentor, because I consider you my mentor, and all that kind of stuff, this is him. This is Justin. Uh, He is also well-known as Brick on Initiative and Intrigues, which if you're not watching, shame on you. Uh, You should watch. Let us get cooking. Um, and for Justin's audience and for people who might not know too much about me, uh, hello, my name is Alex Baum, misspelled, of course, and um, I am working on a project on the next Kickstarter with Justin. It is it is my book, uh, Alex's Bombastic Oddities, and I kind of wanted to explain to Justin's audience, but also just refresh everybody about kind of how, how this came to be. So, hi, the reason why my username is misspelled is because I'm terribly dyslexic. Dyslexia is graded on a scale of one to five. I am a five. I was quite literally illiterate in the second grade. And for essentially my entire life, I've always wanted to be an author, but my teachers would shoot me down. My friends would shoot me down. I still remember the first book I ever wrote. Uh, My friends at the time uh, opened it, laughed at how badly spelled it was, um, Poured it, put it in a trash can at lunch, and then poured chocolate milk on it. I don't know why I remember the chocolate milk so well, but I remember the cho- it was a green cover. Anyways, um, so I have the reading comprehension skills of about an eighth grader, and I'm 28, and I have the uh, spelling comprehension skills of about a third or fourth grader, depending on what test I take. So it is um, – Justin's mic isn't working. Well. That's what they say. Yep. But you can hear me. I can hear you. It's because I didn't click a button. Can you hear him now? Say something. Say something. Say something. Okay. What what is wrong with this thing? Um there we go. 
Um, well, it's okay. Women have been ignoring me and blocking me my whole life. It's nothing new. It's fine. So, um, lo and behold, one day, uh, Justin is on my long into the future. I'm 27. Justin is on is on my D and D show, and he comes to me and he says. Uh, Alex, I can't be on your D&D show anymore. I have too much to do. And I, I just hail married, shucked it out there and was like, what if, what if I wrote for you? What if I wrote stuff for you? What if I, what if I did part of it? And he was like, yeah, let's try it. And it ended up being a, a really great opportunity for me to gain some confidence in, in being able. And he really, really, Justin, you really were the reason why this all happened is because if you hadn't taken a shot on me, I wouldn't have, I would, this would never happen. And so I, so he started mentoring me and started telling me, teaching me about like the way Wizards of the Coast writes and the way that, you know, you want to word things and, you know, how to lead stuff in and all this kind of stuff. And um, I started writing for his, um, for his Patreon, uh, for his Patreons. I write the layer. Um, all I've been writing the layers since May, I think. And I also write one, I write the bounty board quest, one of them. Um, I don't know if there are multiple, but I write one of them. Um, if you remember the, the one where you had to um, save a little girl, but it turned out to be a bird. That was me. That was me. That's my favorite. Oh my goodness. Um, and I think so, you did such a wonderful. Job. I know that one. That one was really fun. And so, through Justin's kindness and mentorship, uh, I I gained confidence back in my thing. And then Justin, one day after after a show that I had dumped a, after an I and I show that I dumped a lot of lore on him, uh, he was like, "You need to write this down and make this a book. Like, you need to write a book." And I was like, "No." And he was like, "Yes." And I, it sat in my heart that you said that. It sat in my heart. And um, I ended up making this TikTok at like one in the morning crying. <laughs> and it got a bunch of views and all of you guys signed up for the mailing list. Which, by the way, if you're not signed up for the mailing list, I'm going to put that in chat. Um, <laughs> oh, I am, one thing that um, I have learned over the years... Um, is that we are harder on ourselves than the world in most cases. And so that puts a lot of fear in us to want to take that next step because we were the same way even with just the Critic Academy show, you know. And my friends always told me, hey, you talk a lot. Why don't you do something with it? <laughs> and so then I started a podcast, which, you know, you always worry that it's not going to work out. It's not going to be – nobody's going to like it. The same thing with writing. But having a a mentor, having a friend who is there to kind of encourage you can really change your world. It really um, did. That's why, I, that's why I always say surround yourself with people who help lift you up and people that you can help lift up um, because that's gonna, you're going to make each other better. Um, and those are the types of people you want in your life. So if and I'm not trying to get all like philosophical or anything, but if you've got friends or family members who drag you down, do your best to spend as little yep. time with them as possible. Yep. Um so I absolutely agree. But um luckily I Justin Justin was that for me. So now here we are. We're making a book. It's Alex's Bombastic Oddities and I'm incredibly excited. Um, because I didn't think this was possible, but here we are. So, uh, to kind of start in to what the book is about and what we are doing, um, I think that the best way to introduce the book is just to read the book's intro. 
Um, so I'm going to do that. Uh, also, fun fact, y'all are going to see some art today. Uh, you're also going to see, you're also going to get some readings from the book, um, like some little excerpts from the book. And I am going to have Justin roll on all of my D100 charts to give an example of what you can get on a D100 chart because what is on the D100 charts because that's just fun, right? I do. I love the the story in lore you've written is amazing. And man, Kyla has really brought some of that stuff to life very well. Yes, she's done a beautiful job. So this is what the book is about. From pain and trials bubble up newfound hope and humanity's amazing ability to overcome. Welcome to My Dreams Brought to Reality, Alex's Bombastic Oddities. This is a TTRPG 5e source book for the new, the confused, and the ones no one takes the time to think about. Every letter in the book was lovingly placed there by me, Alex, and checked over by people with an array of ability levels and backgrounds to bring you a book that everyone can use. This book is filled with the brim with a collection that I have created over the years of GMing of things, stories, jokes, and, and more designed to do one thing, spark something. That is the real purpose of the book, not to tell you what to create, but to lead you to creating it all on your own. My hope is that the things this book that is that the things in this book serve as an anchor point that propel your mind into the sea of life abundant and allow the spark of inspiration to burst into a cataclysm that can only be tamed by the furious writing down of your newfound ideas. Everything in this book is meant for you to manipulate, change, eliminate, grow from, or even use just as is. As this is my collection, you will see some notes and drawings from me along your stroll. Again, these are for you to do with what you will. My greatest dream of becoming an author is now my greatest hope, to inspire others to dive into this crazy thing we call jamming. So go forth and create. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is in chat and he says that he has tears in his eyes. Um. I am, that is so mm, magnificent. Um, I think that it's really a, the best example that I can give of what this book is. This book, this whole book uh, doesn't tell you how to do anything. I just want to allow you to have something to spark from, to jump from, because a lot of times that starting point can be so difficult to find. I mean, Justin, I'm sure you understand that with how much you create on a daily basis. And so that's my hope is that this can be a starting point. Um, and what better starting point? Then uh, gods. That's where I started with my own personal world. Um, Justin, have you gotten a chance to read the gods? Of course, I have. Um, when, and of course, and, I, and and I'm I'm biased. Um, I have a favorite, and okay. it might be just because I've run into Boozy, but uh, <laughs> I think that uh, you've come up with some amazing names. You've come up with some amazing stories. And some of them, each god has a unique and awesome personality, whether it's, you know, Boozy, who I think is in charge of games and, and uh, alcohol, uh, booze, right? Yep, games and alcohol. Um, and whether it's uh, Naz Naznix, uh, yep. was that the Lady Luck? Yep. Or um, there was, uh, of course, I have to mention Kadidios, right? You know, uh, the mistress of uh, revenge or... Yes. or 
this. So you did read. Think, <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe I've managed to find time, but when you're on the toilet and you got a phone, it gives you extra time. It's true. It does. <laughs> Uh, phone scrolling, but um, I really enjoyed reading through what you've created here. And one thing that I think uh, you really nailed on when you were writing these, um, each of the gods, you kind of have a a like a a script written out uh, from somebody in the world's perspective on that deity, mm-hmm. and I think that that is really really cool because it's very. It's not meta. It's very, this is the way the world, people in the world see this deity. And that's something that really, um, you did such a unique job with each one. Even if you only read that segment, you get a good, great, well-defined understanding of what that deity does. Mm-hmm. All in like a little contextual blurb. <laughs> <laughs> And that's hard to do. So kudos to you. Thank you. Um, I just realized I'm going to be getting compliments during this. And I have to take them. <laughs> or else <laughs> chat will eat me. Um, so, yeah. I One of the things that I wanted to try to, to do um, is give each one of them a personality. One of the things that I found so frustrating uh, was, one, that there was just like – just so many gods just so many gods in the forgotten realms that it was it was overtaking my ability to even process the gods exist in the first place you know and so mm-hmm. i tried to i tried to narrow it down to a smaller amount of deities but also deities that were unique and specific to one there's no overlapping there's no like moon and also you know no it's all like the god of the sun and the god of the stars well the sun is a star so there's I try to eliminate all of that and try to get down to each person being individual and unique within themselves and also imperfect as fuck. <laughs> yes. Um and that that's worth noting. So I read a lot of fan I read I, I love fantasy. I say I read now this day and age I can only listen to it as audiobooks, but um what I think makes deities so hard to get is if they're written in they're not infallible. They are just these omnip- omnipotent beings that are just kind of obnoxious. I don't know if you've ever read the Percy Jackson series, mm-hmm. but each each of the the deities basically has like kind of like a fatal flaw type of thing, and it becomes core to their their character development. I feel like you've kind of captured some of that in your writing, um, and that of course makes it just that much sweeter because not only as a DM does that give me something to play with. But as a player, it gives me something to exploit. That's the spark. That's the spark that I'm talking about (laughs) is like, not only can I do this, but I can also do this and I can also do this. That's what I want this book to do. That's what this entire book is designed to do. This entire book is designed for you to learn that uh, Vensenk, who is the god of sea and storm, who is an incredibly evil god, actually has entire legions of followers in navies, in nations' navies, that just pray to him for his mercy. And they're not considered evil. They're 
considered good, but they pray and worship an evil God for their mercy. I want you to hear that and go, wait, if you can do that there, you can do this and you can do this. And that's what I want. I want that, that ball to start rolling in your brain. And that's the whole point of this. And yes, I do have it to where you can worship evil gods and be good in my world. And it's, it's very fun. See, that's, that's something that doesn't get uh, addressed. Um, Evil and good is a perspective, right? Right. Um, and I, 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 there's a lot of this in like Brandon Sanderson's books, in where one person sees the enemy as a villain and and terrible. When you see it from the other perspective, it's different. It might be that the other people are the evil ones, and the way you set it up is that. This evil God is vengeful and douchey and everyone hates him. But when you're going out on the sea, you don't want your ship to sink. So you know what? Please don't let us capsize becomes a way to plead to even the dark, uh, the dark gods for some sort. I think you said mercy as a good example of that. And you've really set your deities out to be um, perfect examples of kind of that that concept which you don't see very often or i haven't seen it really at all but there's a lot of worlds out there (laughs) well since we're on the topic of deities i have some exciting things to show you now i'm not going to show you the entire art because it's too beautiful to be captured in 720 uh you have to see it in person i'm just saying Mm -hmm. however um, and of course, you don't want to spoil it all, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, just a little bit. Well, we're going to give you a little sliver, a little sliver uh, the, of the god of the art of the gods that were made by Kyla Frank on Twitter. Uh, she is my friend. I'm literally spending Christmas with her. Um, and she has done, she's going to do all the art in this book. Um, and I feel so blessed to have her be doing all the art in the book because this is so cool and you know she kept telling me like well as an artist it's pretty it's pretty nice to be able to put on your resume that you get that you're doing all the art in this book but I'm like but also like it's really nice of you this is very nice so the first sliver we have for you which I have not shown anyone including my own my own people uh, is Anvia. Anvia is the god goddess of forge and creation, and I'll read you her little fun note. Um, Avia, Anvia and Simone, who is the god of light and, life and arts, care deeply for one another and recognize themselves as a pair. Oftentimes, they will watch over and aid the other, the followers of the other, and as such, the, there are many clerics who devote themselves to both of them and are known as the mothers. This is the goddess a forge and creation. So as you can see, she has the the holiness around her holding in her hand um, something of forge fire. And then the smoke is billowing out of a volcano behind her, uh, creating her hair. That is awesome. Yes. Um, I, <laughs> me and Kyla worked really hard on this one because Anvia was something that I really wanted to capture because I have a very specific image of Anvia in my mind. Um, and while I do have specific images, I want everybody to create their own image. So that's why I kind of kept her face blank and she's wearing a suit of armor. You can see that she is a black woman, but you, but that she t- chooses to portray herself as a black woman in a many armed form. 
which is exciting. Um, but everybody, I wanted everybody to be able to fill in the details the way that they wanted to in the way that they think whenever they're like on via, I want them to see what they're supposed to see, what they want to see. So um, have, you've seen this full art, right? I have, I have. I noticed you're only showing a, quite literally a small a sliver. Taste I of said it. you're getting a sliver. Yes, you, I love that. You, ha- you, it's too good of art to not show in its full beauty, full beauty on the page. Right, and so. I was just like, man, that is so clever. But I didn't know if it was like something went wrong or if you had did that on purpose. No, I did. Very clever. I love it. I love it. What peas you are. <laughs> Um, and for people on the podcast who can't see this, um, what we are looking at is about one fifth of an entire, of entire thing where you can see a helmet, uh, in the back, in a helmet and shoulders where in the background there is a volcano with billowing smoke and the smoke emulates hair. Um, and then you can see one of her hands that is holding fire with a halo around her. That is so cool. But very cool. That is on via. And now we are going to read. Now we are going to reveal um, Dortuis. Dortuis is the god of death. And the god of death is very interesting because, one, it's a neutral god, which I think is the correct answer. Fight me. I, I agree with that because it's part <laughs> of death is a cycle of the world, right? Yep. They're not inherent. Inher- and it's not inherently seeking to suck your soul that you're going to come to me eventually anyway. <laughs> um, so death is neutral, which which we think is a great decision. But also death only has one domain. All of the other gods, except for another one, have two domains. However, the goddess, the goddess of revenge, Kadaidios, and the god of death, Dortuis, used to be one god, but then they tried to kill the other gods. So the other gods punished them by splitting the god in half, making them two demigods, and casting them to two separate sides of the celestial plains, forced and cursed to never speak to each other again. And you can have that entire story in its entirety if you buy the book. (laughs) So um, the god of death... Um, his little fun fact is Dortuis is in love with his other half, Kadaidios, the goddess of revenge. And, uh, oftentimes, uh, young and bright-eyed adventurers will be tasked with bringing a gift from Dortuis to somewhere in her reach in exchange for death to look away whenever they lose a little too much blood. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it, Justin? <laughs> it's not like y'all accidentally. <laughs> so... I this, see what you're doing. This is this is the little sliver. Ready? I'm ready. Ooh. So this is probably personally my favorite god because what we started with was a porcelain statue. Both Kyla and I, we kind of started with a porcelain statue. And then we saw these images of these porcelain statues where the 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 guy actually carves drapery into the porcelain. And it looks like there's a thin veil on the person whenever in reality it's just beautiful carving. And that's how we kind of got to this image of a faceless, lifeless thing of death. And what he's carrying with him is a soul. It it very much reminds me of somebody sitting up after they've died in the hospital and the cloth is draped over them. 
Yes, that that's was the, one. That's yep. what that reminds me of. That's what she was going for. So. so, let me check to make sure. Okay, the thing she's holding in her hand, is that supposed to be like a soul? It's a soul. Or... It's a soul. That's Oslo. So, it's supposed that to show so the uh, size difference, the 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 um, giantness of the gods, the, the, the force of the gods, because they are gods. Looks like she that's she's holding like one of those little uh, Easter peeps and could just devour. It, <laughs> it does, it does, it does look like that. Soul. But I think that she really did capture a something special about this because you know death has always had a face of a black grim reaper, right? So to have something that's faceless, coated in a billowing white, and even know. It's it's clearly um, meant to be. I don't know what the the word I'm looking for is. Um, a a representation of death. It's extremely beautiful. It is, and that to me is something that needs to be shown more often. Because while people you know are afraid of death. Tr- in most cases, um, it just shows us how beautiful the life cycle is, death included, and also makes you want to value your life. And I feel like the Dartuas really kind of captures that. Um, is it okay if I read a little bit of this uh, scripture thing you wrote here for this? Oh, yeah, because go I for think it. it really is awesome. Is uh, I don't recall if there's a bunch of them, but this one is actually written by Dortuis, right? Yes. Okay, got you. You can go ahead and read it. So I'm, I'm going to try, and if I destroy your god, I apologize. <laughs> but I think you did a wonderful job on this. Hello there. I'm sorry. I'm afraid you are no more but a soul now. Do not cry. Many will miss you. It's true. But in many ways, you will never truly die. You see, your memory will live in the minds and hearts. And because of that, you will live with them. I cannot put you back, as I am only half a god. I only ferry you to the people you wish to say goodbye to. And then to your final destination. Dortuis, the god of death. That is beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) That is very poetic. It is very... It shows that death is nothing to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. Because we will live on forever. In the hearts and minds of those we love. And just awesome job. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Are there any, are there any pieces, other pieces of the gods that stick out to you? Yes. I love that you created divine sigils, tenants, books, these different things for some of the gods that um, can be used to populate your, your world. I think Mm -hmm. the, uh, one of them has the, uh, the, the book of uh, the manual of the sky, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, you, you. I think you call them codes in, in books and stuff, and it really is something to populate the world to delve into the lore aspect of 
uh, character development, right? Because if I put that, um, let's say there is it Ot? Oat? Ot. I don't remember. I'm not Ot. So if, you know, in the world you've got Ot there and you just in passing mention, uh, yeah, you enter the temple and on the left is a manual of the sky. And that right there becomes a hook. If the players take interest, you have a nice little detail to feed them about what it contains should they pick it up. Yep. Or if they've already known it, maybe they're a follower of, of Oat, Ot, sorry, um, and you see a manual of the sky you're familiar with and then you can read off the details that you've already provided but then can be enhanced on and then um, added to by the, the GM themselves. So that's something that's really good because you don't see that in some of the other books. Yeah. Like here's their holy document, right? Like, you know, quote unquote the Bible, right? Or or whatever, you know, that to me is just awesome. And Since... it can be oh, – go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. It, it can be a tool to reveal subtly – and NPC's nature, right? If they go to an NPC's, you know, uh, uh, office or their their home, and one of these books with the name on it will tell you kind of a little bit about themselves and what to expect, and that is pushing on that that lore pillar quite a bit mm-hmm. that we don't get enough of in in fifth edition books as yeah. it is so kudos to you on that uh, i was gonna say on the subject of ot ot actually has my favorite hook that i put into this entire book um something that i just desperately desperately hope that people go oh this could reveal something about uh, you know this could reveal something this could be something you know and it is uh ot the one that we're talking about is the god of sky and weather and um, his interesting little thing that is handwritten by me in the book is the largest population of worshippers of Ot are actually prisoners who wish for their freedom. Most will make some sort of deal with him and continue their worship long after they are granted freedom. And I put that in there specifically for the anti-hero. For there to be an anti-hero character NPC that the players are not very excited to work with or maybe whatever. And then they see that he has, you know, the two parallel lines. He has a bird with him or something. And then he, they realize he's a follower of Ot and it becomes a connection. It's a, it's a, oh, you, oh. And that's, that, that's my favorite hook that I put in there is that prisoners that worship cool. Ot. That's awesome. So. And I obviously the audience hasn't had the privilege of reading through your manuscript yet, but that is a reoccurring uh, theme for your books is the amount of attention to detail you put in the thought that goes into each one. When usually you read a book about with a deity in it, it's like, oh, this is the the deity of darkness. They're dark and dreary and angry and you've kind of twisted that to the point where you've added all these other interesting caveats and personality traits, not just to the deity, but to those that worship them. And that's something that really, um, once again, I just, I don't, I mean, it's not all about your praise today, but (laughs) I think that you've done that really well. And I've, I've reiterated many times about your creative writing and, uh, which is why I, 
pushed and encouraged you to do this because I think it's great. Um, <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because what I instantly – and then we'll move on to because we got to keep going. But the, the thing that I instantly think about is that whenever I was making Gamgir, who is the uh, – one of the two gods I named. All the other gods are named by Max. Max named – I'm not even going to take credit for the names. I take I feel like I feel like in the credits we need to – like credit Max as the namer because almost all of these names are from Max. Um, and he did a really, really yes. great job. Like they're very natural. Yes. He is very, very talented at naming things and I am not. But um, whenever I was making Gamgir, which is one of the two, I named Gamgir and Bolther. Everybody else was named by Max. Um, but whenever I was making Gamgir, uh, who is the god of growth and agriculture, I was like, like what, like, how would I how would I see this in reality and like in like the world? And the way that I saw it was uh, parenthood. So um, ag- the, the god of growth and agriculture originally had no had nothing to do with children, but then suddenly became the god of children and he adopted it. And now he is considered the father god. Um, it's not actually Bolther who's the father. He's the, uh, he's one of the others, but he's not he's not the Bolther. Bolther is not the father god. The father god is actually Gamgir because he's literally the unofficial god of children because of growth because children you know being a child is all about growth anyways i can talk for hours (laughs) um well and i think you have some other bullet points of about the book that you wanted to talk on i do i mean we could talk about that the the gods are very in-depth you've got quite a few of them and they're all very interesting what else do you got uh that so, you've kind of rolled off the old dome here. <laughs> the Ioto. So the Ioto, which is actually um, a version of a way to say uh, elements in Vietnamese. Uh, the Ioto uh, are Janasi, but we're not allowed to use the term Janasi. So we're using the term Ioto and hoping people understand. Um, the Ioto was my answer to... The Genasi, I have I have a setting called the Wayward Arrow setting that will be coming out after this. But um, <laughs> and the, in the Wayward Arrow setting, the Genasi are extinct. Actually, there's an extinct race. So somebody wanted to play a Genasi at my table, and I said, "Well, what's the, what's my answer to that?" And my answer was to create the Genasi of the other of the in between planes of the minor elements, and that is how we ended up with lightning, magma, mud, and smoke Ioto. And go ahead. I I absolutely adore the mud Ioto. Um, because, because as a as a player, I would have nothing but nonstop liquid squirt shit storm jokes the whole time. Every attack be would be coming out his rear end and in, yes. in, I'm so I'm I'm a ten year old. I'm it's sorry. Okay. But I, it's okay. When I first read it, I was like, oh my god, yes. Every kid's poop joke in a character concept. Well, you know what? If you have children, uh, if you have children that love poop joke, the muddy Yoto are for you. That's 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 gonna be your that's gonna be your thing for them uh, to get them into drunk Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and they have amazing story and lore to go with the these. Um I just that always made me giggle. So. Yeah, no, you're totally fine. So the the Ioto, um, I I wanted the Ioto to have a specific kind of like reason to exist, and so I decided that their reason to exist was passion. 
So the four the four different passions is the lightning genasi are born of artistic passion, artistic are typically loud spoken and bombastic. You knew I had to put the word in somewhere. Um, <laughs> uh, the magma ioto are born of a perspective of protective passion and are typically people of deep contemplation and loyalty. The mud ioto are people born of empathetic passion and are typically people with soft hearts and welcoming hands and apparently farts as well. Uh, <laughs> and the smoke ioto are born of impulsive passion. And the smoke ioto is uh, is the example that I want to give everybody of kind of what you can look forward to whenever you get to these to get to these and any other um, any other uh, races or player bases, player characters I might write. Because something that I find uh, quite frustrating is that they just assume everybody does the same thing. Like, all Furbolg live in the forest. No, that's not how this works. So, what I decided to do is I decided to make a foil of one another. Now, if you don't know what the literary term of a foil is, that's okay. It's one of the only literary terms I know. Um, it's basically whenever you make something in contrast, so like black and white, whenever you, whenever you make something in one way and then you flip it on its head and do it the other way. And in every single one of these, that is what I did. So for Smokyoto, Smokyoto, born of impulsive passion, are typically people, typically, here, listen to the language, typically people of many interests and full of life. They are scattered throughout the lands without one central purpose, but with many interests, both big and small. Just as smoke f flows freely and changes with the course, with the course with little effort, so the smoke Ioto, I want to say Genasi, Smoke Ioto, climb closer to knowing a little bit about everything, shifting to what environment allows with little to no effort. Changes, change is an ever-flowing, is an ever-flowing truth for, I need to make this bigger. Uh, change is an ever-flowing truth uh, for the mortals, and most Smoke Ioto embrace it. They tend to have a large impact where they settle down, permeating the world around them with their passion and fiery determination. Many become de facto leaders of small towns or settlements, as people are drawn to their ease in blinding and blinding chaos. In their ease in blinding chaos. Even being scattered throughout the land, most people of the smoke are known as, wel as a welcoming sign that even fire and chaos can become good for the people. However, if a smoke Iota rejects the impulsive passion inside, they may choose to become as sharp and silent as ash. Perhaps fearful of the evil that can become a fire and chaos, or perhaps out of spite, these smoke Ioto can use their intuition to, cha to change and seek out those who wish to use it to harm others. Oftentimes, they are led to small clusters of Jacendanel, the goddess of fire and pandemonium, worshippers, plotting some destruction to bring pandemonium. These unsung wonders who bent, blend into the shadows and only ignite to eliminate a threat are known by most as Shady Oto and were originally thought to be the fifth kind. While it is hard to path it allows a hard path to walk, the people who do do so out of necessity and love for the people. So if you notice, there's what do you do if you accept this thing about yourself? 
what do you do if you reject this thing about yourself? And that's something that I think needs to be played on more. And I chose to play on in these. What do you think, Justin? Um, that is a lot to take in. You have, you've attempted to kind of blend multiple concepts together and make it work. <laughs> um, I, I like the idea that um, you included words like typical, right? Because there's a lot of back and forth on the like the alignment of things between different groups of uh, role players. So the fact that you say it's typical opens it up to, well, they're not all like this. And you touched on that with the furball example. Um, I like the idea that their personalities are a lot like smoke and flows freely, right? Kind of goes where the, 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 where the wind takes them sort of a thing. Um, the one thing that I think you, you really nailed is the mechanics of the character fit very well with the story and their background. Um, and that's really, really important in good game design. Um, I also like that in this example, the smoke, and I don't know if you did this on purpose or if it's just a happy accident, but they became uh, de facto leaders in small towns and settlements. And smoke signals are usually the ones, you know, drawing in people. You got it. You so, got it. I, I was like, that's a very uh, subtle thing. And if you did that on purpose, mm -hmm. excellent. Um, <laughs> And that just shows how deep your kind of thought process goes. So, kudos to you. The newest interactive theatrical adventure experience is here, you guys. The 20-Sided Tavern. Inspired by dungeons, dragons, and so much more, it's a unique journey that's never the same twice. This is because they have a unique audience participation and interaction. Through the use of your phone, during the show, you can make choices, compete in games, solve riddles and puzzles, and help determine the outcome. This means that it's different ending every time. I just finished watching this, and I have to say I was super impressed. It's going to be something that every role player is going to want to see. Make sure to check out the 20-Sided Tavern. Grab your adventuring party and check out the 20-Sided Tavern, now playing through January 15th at Broadway Playhouse. Visit broadwayinchicago.com and get your tickets today. Also, Muddy Oto. I'm totally playing a necromancer and making shit demons. Yes! <laughs> I, I want this. I want this to happen, actually. I do. I, I'm not going to lie. I want this at my table. The the uh, the uh, Smokey Odo, I think it would be really cool to play a character like Snoop Dogg as one of these. That would be so good. <laughs> Wait, that makes me really happy. I think that's He's fantastic. Like, like the chillest leader you ever met. Hey, what's up, dog? Let's uh, why don't you? We'll come. Let's have a seed. We'll uh, we'll come to an agreement. There's no need for fighting around here. Passing around a big giant pipe. Amazing. I, so I love that. So I will say really fast before we move on, um, the the Eoto, one of the things about the Eoto that's really uh, exciting is that Kyla actually was able to draw full body art of all the Eoto. And something that was important to me was that um, each one of the Eoto had a different, had a very different body 
um, and a very different build. Um, so that, cause one of the things that's frustrating to me about the, the Genasi that are in, you know, D and D like Canon is that they're just kind of people with like red skin. And I'm like, no, I really want to embrace that element. So, uh, I'll just let you know right now, since we're on the smoke Eoto, the smoke Eoto has a smoke hawk. Like a, a smoke hawk. A smoke mohawk. <laughs> and now I'm just imagining Snoop Dogg with a smoke hawk. Like a, like a, like, <laughs> I just, I just, it sounds so good. It really does. That is hot. That is cool. I like, uh, I'm looking at the, some of the uh, art right now and you're right. Um, they're different heights. They're different shapes. I love the, uh, the, the um, fact that the, uh, the lightning uh, Ioto, their hair is just kind of, it almost looks like dreads. It is that dreads, are like, just yeah. like, it, like all, and they're all twisted and jagged like lightning bolts. And I think uh, uh, she managed to kind of capture that really, really well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on, we are going to go ahead and go to the next section, which is the NPCs and how to make them. Um, People a lot of times talk about, and Justin and I have has have a has had a conversation about this. Um, people talk oftentimes about how, like, you know, you shouldn't fall into a trope. You shouldn't fall into. Tro-. I think tropes not only go back to like Kabuki theater, uh, but are one of the best and easiest ways for you to flesh out a character. So I didn't know if you uh, wanted to talk for a second, go on a little rant, if you wish, about uh, how dumb it is that people think that using tropes is a bad thing. Tropes are a trope for a reason. The reason they're a trope is because they work. If they didn't work, they wouldn't be a trope. That's why they're called tropes. I hate the idea that so many people say don't use tropes and I, I run into the this is Justin's rant now. <laughs> Go for it. Go for I run it. into so many DMs like, I'm so tired of this trope. I'm so tired of this trope. Okay, well, then you do something else. But for the rest of us, tropes are powerful jumping off points for anybody in the role playing, especially if you do a lot of improv, right? Mm-hmm. It can be hard, you know, role playing games in general, you got to you got to kind of create things on the fly. So being able to use a draw on any sort of trope in a, in a matter of seconds means you can respond to player actions and agency very quickly. If you want to avoid that and not use tropes, it requires far more prep. And not that that's a bad thing, but there's a sort of comfort and ease that comes with a trope that you know people are going to like because it's already tried and true tested versus some random shit you might make and then they may or may not like. Um, and I've, I've talked about this on Crit Academy in the past about when you want to use tropes, it's okay even to mix and match tropes and get an even better concept using two proven you know, tools. A good example I think I once used on the show was I love Snickers and I love ice cream. Do you know what I love better? The two combined. Snickers ice cream. And so you can do do that with your tropes too. So lean on those and and, um, don't be afraid to to use what's been proven to work. 
and oh. like use it as a place and then experiment with it within it like mm-hmm. it's okay to experiment within the thing you don't have to create the whole damn thing like you can and that's kind yeah. of what i tried to do with these npcs is i tried to prove to people that you can make amazing crazy things with the starting point being a trope so the tropes that i include are the party guide trope which is my favorite npc i've ever created the mentor the, trope the- which is uh, my dad. <laughs> I put my dad in the book. <laughs> Surprise. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Um, and then the shifty ally trope, who is the one of my favorite. This is the uh, person who was a villain who they tur- who my players turned into an ally before my eyes. It blew my it blew my brain. Blew my brain <laughs> that they've turned my 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 villain into an ally, and I was like. I don't know how you did it, but it makes sense. And you, you rolled. Yep. Um, and then more than a shopkeep trope, because that that is a, that is a trope in D&D. That's definitely a trope where it's like, oh, I'm a shopkeep, but I'm also a spy. Um, and then the kind noble trope. And that's the five. So something that I wanted to say is that in the book, there's actually at the very end, there's going to be 10 NPCs. Whenever the Kickstarter goes live, this was Justin's idea. So whenever the Kickstarter goes live, um, one of the options uh, is going to be to back it for a significant amount of money, or I guess a, I don't know, it's significant to me, but I'm I'm broke. So, and y- I will I will work with you to turn you into an NPC in the book. So my idea is that basically. I'll get your email, we'll get on Discord, we'll set up a meeting, and I want you to come, you're going to pick a trope, and you're going to pick, like, some kind of twists and turns that are going to go with this trope, and then together we're going to make uh, an NPC out of you, or out of your wife, or out of your child, or out of your dog, whoever you want, uh, we're going we're gonna to find a trope and we're going to do it together. So that is oh. something that you will be able to do. It was Justin's I idea, because you've done that before, right? I have, and you mentioned your dad's in your book. Uh, my dad paid, uh, well, donated and, and bought that tier specifically so he could put a very uh, phallic character <laughs> in my book. Of course, it's your dad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's all about dick jokes. So there's literally a guy with a massive hammer <laughs> named Andre in the book. But a lot of uh, the fans really like that. And there's just something special about helping one of your favorite content creators bring something to life. And then you actually be inside of it um, for the world to see. There's just something that comes with that. But the one thing I really like about what you did with the uh, the NPC tropes, you have um, such good details about them. But then you also have kind of a a specific set of information, the personality, relationship, motivations, and flaw that can fit on a note card. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Like you got the super detailed uh, uh, kind of background and then the note card stuff. And I think for any dungeon master, that is a powerful, powerful tool to be able to just draw out. Yes. I definitely agree with that. And the reason why I did it like that is because um, it was important to me that I prove to people 
no, this is a trope. Like this is uh, the way that I got to this this uh, conclusion of this elaborate thing about an archfey who got cursed and then. I started with tropes. I got started with the aloof trope is what I started with an, an aloof uh, party. And so that's, that's, you know, those are your notes because that's the anchors. But then you, you grow from these anchors, which is again, the point of the book is to grow from, is to anchor points that you can launch yourself from. And so these are anchor points. And actually at the end of the, uh, of the thing, there are the pillar charts, which are the personality, which are the pillar, my, my pillars. Pillar one is personality. Pillar two is motivations. Um, and pillar three is flaws. And I have D, uh, I have a D20 chart for personalities. I have um, a D8 chart for motivations and I have a D8 chart for flaws. And um, they, they range and I try to range them from like obviously good to obviously evil, but really they could go anyway. Yeah. And I think that that's uh, important um for gms to use as jumping off uh uh platform like uh in one of the pillars for motivation you have uh there is no cause too high to keep what i value safe it doesn't say what you value so that creates quite the uh opening for the gm to okay well i want a character who's a hero so, and I'm only going to throw this out here because I'm always rereading and listening to Brandon Sanderson. You got one character who I will protect those who can't protect themselves. And he literally, no cost is too high for him to keep that oath. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, other, other people's lives are the, are what he values. A noble, you typically would think it would be like some sort of money or, or a coin or something. Um, but then in a teacher, it might be her children. So the way you have these written, it truly is, here is an idea. It's good on its own, but I want you, I encourage you, I beg you to add just a little bit to make it yours. And I feel like your, all of your uh, tables kind of pull that off very, very well. Yeah. <laughs> no, I promise I, I didn't I didn't write any of this. I really just think she did an awesome job. Yeah, I know. I I I, I will say though, um just for fun though, there's there's one in here. There's one in here that's not like that at all. There's one in here oh, that yeah? I put Which in. There was one in here that I put in that I was just like, yeah, it. fuck it. This is fun. <laughs> and Max was like, Max was like, that doesn't fit. And I'm like, I don't care. And which, it's this one. Which one of these is not like the other? <laughs> Their mind was unceremoniously changed forever after narrowing escaping a group of mind flares. Ooh, I like that. I know, right? It's so good. But it's like, I, it can't I do be. like that. But it's good. Yeah. Ugh. That's it. That's pretty good. I was like, I damn, this is so good. But like at the same time, it's like, damn, I, I, I mean, if technically, if you wanted it to fit into the rest, you could just leave it uh, more open by, uh, by some, just saying by mental, magical mental manipulation or something. Cause then it could be a friend. It could be a teacher, right. it could be a mind flayer. So, but if that, if that's what you want, you go for it, girl. 
I just <laughs> I just love the idea of like there's this crazy guy in this town that you like go and see and he's an artificer. And then, like, you ask, like, the, the, like, bishop of the town, why is this guy so crazy? And he's like, oh, that's Charlie. He got bit by a mind flare. And he never, he's never been the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just think that that's so cool. Anyways. I love, I love that stuff. So. Um, wow, and then, it's already an hour, huh? What? <laughs> but it's already been an hour. Yeah. I feel well, like it's we okay. just sat down. It's okay. We have just one more section, and it's really easy because you just have to roll d one hundreds or d twenties and d one hundreds. So at the very end of the ch- at the chart, w- the very end of the book, which I think I'm going to do in every single book because I just think they're fun, is the oddities. And I'm not going to lie, the oddities started by uh, making these charts with my community on stream because uh, I stream on Twitch and I we started by making these communities with these charts on stream and um, I went through and revamped them, made them a little bit better, made them a little bit more clean, a little bit more safe for work and um, we ended up we ended up a little bit less dick jokes. Um, we ended up uh, with these really, really fun charts. So the first chart is a D20 if you'll roll that. And it is minor NPCs. So these are just NPCs that you can just throw out into the world. Justin, what did you roll? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I was paying attention to chat. Oh, goodness. Okay, I'm rolling a, what is it? Am I rolling a D100? Yeah, no, you're D20? rolling a D20. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I got a six, but okay. I'm sure it's awesome because every one of them's awesome. So, six is Bregan, the dwarf. He is an older gentleman with a patchy beard, and he is a well-known detective in the city. Ooh, I like that. All right, and so now that, that's a. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, that gives that's another thing that just gives us a really good starting point. Like you mm-hmm. can do, you can flesh that out so much so easily and you created it like that yep that's beautiful um the next one is so much fun because i created it for my own table fey curses because they're not just curses they're fey curses so go ahead and give me another d20 for our example Uh, i got a 13 13 number 13 this is another one where Max was like, really? Do you have to put that in? And I was like, yes. I don't remember who came up with it. I want to say it was Squirtle. But the PC is literally being chased by a vicious ferret. <laughs> that reminds me of that stupid uh, joke of the uh, uh, a killer uh, snail chasing you for the rest of your life. Which is so funny. <laughs> Just like you can't stay anywhere too long because a snail will eventually gets you. I like that, but a ferret, that's hilarious. Like, every natural one the character rolls is that damn ferret. I know. It's like, it's there. It's ready for you. (laughs) Um, And then we have one of the ones that we did on stream, that we completed on stream, which is the Wheel of Misfortune. Whether you piss off an archmaid, a god, or just the local wizard, sometimes misfortune falls on the party in the hands of magic. Uh, This is for you to use as a chart to inspire you to add consequences to the player's actions, even if it's just that their socks and shoes are now soaking wet, which is one of the the curses, which is one of the Wheel of Misfortune happens. So this is a D100. So this is 100 unfortunate things. 
Ooh, I see. I got... Oh, no. <laughs> what the hell? 38. All right. <laughs> Until oh, the PC funny. completes a long rest, their fingers are too swollen to remove rings. <laughs> it's just annoying so... stuff like that. That's very. That's actually a really good example. I'm just imagining sausage fingers, and they like yeah. can't pick something up. Yeah, off they're the just ground. like they're just like yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, you're but, having an allergic reaction or something silly like that. Um, oh, that's funny. And now we have the table of holding, which was the table that started it all, which is just. Interesting things that you might find in a used bag of holding because you know what? Let's if you if, if people don't know, if you flip a bag of holding inside out, everything that is in it goes out. So if you find a bag of holding on a dead guy, uh, you can flip it inside out and stuff falls out. And this is just kind of all of the stuff um, that could be in it. I just want to let you know uh, if you roll a one, what's in the thing is a bag of dung. It's because it's, it's oh. I couldn't say shit. It was supposed to be dog shit, like a bag of dog shit. But it's funny. It's funny you included that because I was just thinking, man, this should be in there. So uh, kind of related to this topic. And it's very short in one of Jeff Stevens uh, uh, fifth edition adventures. A mage uses a bag of holding as a toilet. And my players turned it inside out and filled the tower three levels of shit. (laughs) Ew. Amazing. Ew. I'm Amazing. I'm so glad you put it in here, but maybe a bag just isn't enough. <laughs> like 20 or 50 pounds of it. All right, let's see what you find in a bag of holding, Justin. Go ahead and roll oh, a D100. Goodness. I'm all over the shit train today. Oh, I got a 20 on a D20. Is it, was I supposed to roll a D100 though, wasn't I? That's makes that less exciting. All right, let's try again. Let's try again. Hey, Justin, follow the rules. I got a 44. Um, A large container of garlic. See? Now, that's something that you can have fun with, because maybe that's a clue that you're going to be fighting a vampire. Right? Uh, the one underneath that, 45, is a pack of spices labeled herbs, herbs. <laughs> Sure, it's not 12 herbs and spices? Herbs. I I should have done that. Um, One of them is a (laughs) nutcracker. Oh, here's one that you did, Squirtle. A a stuffy of a flump. That's one that Squirtle did. That's one that Squirtle did. That was Squirtle. Oh, I love that. But uh, it's fun because as I go through these, I actually, like, remember who wrote what. Um, And then the one that I added, which is my personal favorite. I'm I'm just saying this because it's my personal favorite. If you roll 100... You get nesting dolls of all of the previous owners of the bag, and the little tiny one is you. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. I know. I love that. And finally, because, you know, high fantasy is high fantasy, man. Novelty magic item ideas. I Oh, God. We went hard on the novelty magic item ideas. So... Um, go ahead and roll me a D100. Oh, I'm on it, girl. I got a 61. Okay. A 61. Now, these are the types of things that I really like because you can introduce a lot of them and it doesn't really mess the balance of the game at all. Nope. Those are my favorite. 
that is that was one of the very important things to me was that this does not mess up the balance. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know what? If you can find a way to make a duck who quacks louder the closer you get to a soft object, if you find a way to make that <laughs> useful, you can fucking have it, dude. <laughs> you can have it. Make it work. Um, but work 60, those creative juices. 62 is a small wooden cube, which once per short rest will play any song at request that is whispered to it. Uh, you you made a jukebox? Yes, I made a jukebox. <laughs> awesome. It's a jukebox. Oh, that's funny. I'm going to listen to the uh, the the highway to nine hells. I'm on a high. And I then for people who know, who have been watching Initiative and Intrigues, and for people, which is all on YouTube, by the way, and for people who um, know stuff about the Wayward Arrow setting, if you roll a one, you get a crystal of pure evil. If you roll a hundred, you get a crystal of pure good. That's awesome. So that made me, I, I put that in and I, mm. I felt that was good. I oh, like <laughs> number 90 is a lotion that makes you, the user sparkle without glitter. Gonna look fabulous. So yeah, that's the, that's, that's, that's the book in the nutshell. Now, the next thing on the list, ah, to announce the Kickstarter days. Yay! Um, so I am considering us two months out because I'm not streaming on the day that we're two months out and this is the closest stream to it. So we are literally two months out from the Kickstarter going live. Uh, the Kickstarter will go live February 21st, 2023. Uh, Justin picked that date. <laughs> and so there will... And I just wanted to say to everybody... Um, that there will be an option in there to donate $10 with your pledge to uh, Dolly Parton's Reading Foundation. Um, I, I couldn't find I couldn't find a better reading foundation. They help uh, young kids who are in uh, underprivileged areas of the South um, learn how to read. Uh, I was very fortunate to be in a privileged version ver part of the self, but um, recently, because I've been talking more and more about my dyslexia, I have been seeing more and more TikToks of people who really did not get the intervention that I got, and it makes me very sad. And Dolly Parton does the intervention that I had for people who can't afford it, so that's why we're doing that. And it's Dolly Parton. I want to uh, take a moment uh, from a, a Justin perspective and 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 show just how uh, dedicated Alex is to making sure this is a, a very diverse, uh, accessible uh, book. Um, let's start with the fact that you took time to include uh, phonetic uh, enunciation at the uh, at the back of the book for this. Yes. Um, the pronunciation appendix. I think that's really really cool. I don't we don't get enough of that in books, especially with something as related to like deities and specific names. Right. But you've also taken uh, um, approach of making sure that it will be um, print friendly for people with dyslexia as well as colorblind friendly. Um, that to me shows just how much you care about other people and the challenges that they go through every day. 
And that's something for many of us other creators to look up to and try to uh, meet that standard moving forward. It was incredibly important to me that I didn't just do this for me. I did this for us. And I think the way that I want to close this out is by reading for everybody uh, my dedication, um, which is the first page of the book. I feel like it's only right um, because this isn't just for me. This isn't just for um, – it's it's for my whole family. My My entire family is – severely dyslexic uh my grandfather was illiterate to the day he died he probably knew like 300 words maybe uh, my father he has a doctorate in chemistry he's dyslexic uh all of his siblings are dyslexic the majority of my cousins are dyslexic and there was one woman who believed in all of us over everything and her name was jan and she was my grandmother and so uh this book is dedicated to my grandmother bima uh she fought tooth and nail to ensure my father his siblings, my cousins, and I would never be ashamed of our lack of reading skill and that we would have the support needed to rise above and conquer. And conquer we did. You're going to make me cry. I know I'm crying. I am crying. We conquered. We, we've, we've risen above um, what all of those people told me and you know, it was one of those things where it's like I was in sped, like I was literally in special ed because the, the, the school didn't know what to do with me. And um, Bima uh, would fly down to to um, Texas from Massachusetts and would like sit with my tutor for hours and teach my tutor how to teach me so that I could learn. Because she had taught so many dyslexic kids. Um, and it's... Uh, it's just amazing that I could like, I don't know, like honor her like that, like honor my family, honor everything that my my parents did for me, everything that everyone did for me. Um, I did not get to the point, I, like I wasn't supposed to be able to read. Like I really, like me being an eight, at an eighth grade reading level is not, it was a mad dash to get to where I am. And um You've climbed a mountain. I it did. Was tough. <laughs> so you should be very proud. And when this book comes out, and everyone loves it, I know you're going to be able to have something to show the struggles you went through, and that you overcame. And your family will be very proud. I know I am. Of course, I'm just some random dude on the internet. So. You're not. Yeah. You're my mentor. <laughs> <laughs> you're my friend. Well, well, Thank you, uh, Justin. I really wouldn't have done this without you. Fuck! <laughs> uh, that's fucking teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that concludes um, Justin's podcast. I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank you for having me on your show and having an opportunity to talk with your audience about your amazing upcoming project. Um, if you're listening to this on the Crit Academy uh, RSS feed um, and you want to uh, support this amazing project, Alex, how can they do so? Um, sign up for Justin's email list because 
whenever because that's more accessible than mine to you guys and whenever this goes out you know it's going out on the on um crit academy's kickstarter so you'll be able to email it out too yep but you can i guess i guess you can also follow me on twitch please do that (laughs) a-e-l-x-b-o-m-b misspelled You can follow us at CritAcademy.com and sign up for our newsletter and also get free loot because we have to bribe people to sign up these days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Thank you. I really don't know how to thank you. You're welcome. Just keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) Be successful. Do I stop the recording? What do I do? What do we do now? What is this? I don't know. You're... Are you done? Are you done streaming? Are you uh, going to keep going? I'm probably going to keep going. I'm probably going to keep going, but you can do whatever you need to do. Well, then I will sign off so I don't have to re-record this later. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining uh, us today on this bonus episode of the Crit Academy. Alex's bombastic oddities special um (laughs) please uh, if you want to support the the show or specifically this project please head on over to critacademy.com sign up for the newsletter and get notified as soon as it goes live uh and help bring this to life especially for if you know somebody in your family that's had to go through struggles and and trials and tribulations and um this is a project that's you know for them so I recently, you know, have a foster son with some, you know, challenges. And so um, definitely supporting something like this because it's as hard as it already is to do something like this. Um, the mountain has been climbed. So support this project. Alex literally has put her heart and soul into it. And we want to help her uh, make a house at the top of that mountain. So yeah. Um, That'll do it for me today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. I'll see you guys all later, okay? Goodbye!